love him, when you understand how much he loves you, when you respect him, when you understand how much he has good for you, he wants to use you for his purposes. When that, when that God of the universe asks you to do something, you go, okay, I trust you, and I love you, and I believe you have the best in mind for me. So Ananias departed and entered the house. He found Saul, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, brother, he believed God so much that he said, all right, if the Lord says you're his chosen instrument, who am I? Who am I to discount that? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. This is Saul, <laughs> the murdering dude that was heading to Damascus, the, the, the religious leader from the Jewish community, the, the one with Roman authority. Basically, he had, he had an open, uh, open ticket to kind of do what he wanted to do, to go persecute these Christians who were, who were teaching heresy, who were talking about this Jesus who couldn't possibly be the God of the universe, right? He's complete 180 now. Immediately he regained his sight and scales fell, fell from his eyes. He rose and he was baptized. Taking food and he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately Saul proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said it. Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem and who was headed here to kill us? Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem and all those who called upon him this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived by Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. When we love, respect, and fear God, like we obey, right? Like some of us are in different places of that. And I'd say the most obedient of us are like, all right, I get it, God, because we've had that two by four hit us before. Like we've, we've ran into that 18 wheeler. It's like, okay, I don't want that again. But we also know how much he loves us too. We felt both sides of that coin. So my senior year, um, I'll talk about my, my uh, not-so-obedient years. My senior year, I should have known better in high school, um, I was leading Bible study at our church, and, and uh, um, I, was, I was the guy that were trying to prep me to be the youth pastor there, and, I, and like I told you guys, I'd never felt good enough, so I kept turning it down. I'm not, I'm not good enough for that. Um, but I'll keep leading Bible study. And uh, at the house, we had, a, we had a jet ski. So I don't know if you guys ever been to Texas or seen Lake Conroe, so when you lived around a lake, you, you hoped you knew somebody with a boat or you had a boat, you know? <laughs> it was like, and so we had a jet ski. And so just to tell you, get a little background. I worked, I mean, I worked 30 hours a week. I first started at McDonald's and then wound up at Academy, you know, sporting goods store, but mowed lawns. So I'm, I'm, we made our own money. We bought our own cars back then. I worked like crazy, went to school, uh, played trumpet. I played soccer. So I was busy. I was a busy dude. But in the, in the weekends and in the evenings, like all summer long and every chance we got, 
we were out on the lake. And uh, that jet ski was always gone, like the boats were always gone. Well, one day, I get home, and my, my stepdad says, hey, why don't, why don't you start, you know, get to work some more, start taking life so seriously, and, uh, and uh, quit playing around so much. Who's ever had that conversation with their parents, right? <laughs> quit, quit playing around so much. I want, want you to start getting your path together, getting your life together. It's my senior year, right? And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, aren't you done going to the lake? Isn't there more to life than just going to the lake? And I, and I thought, well, uh, not, not right now. I mean, legs <laughs> everything, you know. We're going to go have fun. And so I showed up one night and found that jet ski with a lock on it, on the tongue. And that, that jet ski had a lock on the tongue, and it's sitting there in the driveway. And I'd already, I'd already made plans. All the guys are loading up with the boat. Like, I'm, getting, I'm supposed to be getting the jet ski ready. And uh, everybody's heading to the lake. And I'm looking at that lock, and I'm looking at that tongue, you know, the trailer hitch tongue, and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if that thing comes apart. I wonder <laughs> if there's a way to, to, to take this thing apart, because I'm being obedient, right? I'm listening to my stepfather, you know, what he wanted from me. And sure enough, that tongue will come all apart. All those bolts will come apart, even with the lock sitting there on the end of the tongue. That, ho- that whole thing will come apart and go back on the truck and reassemble it and get to the lake and never been unlocked. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> So we take the jet ski out. I'm out there. I know I'm not supposed to be. I'm out there with all of our friends. Well, what happens is we're, we're pulling, you know, wait, I don't know how many of you guys wakeboard or surf, but we're pulling wakeboarders around the lake. And one of my friends is driving me. And the number one thing you don't do in a jet ski is put it in reverse um, with the ski rope behind it. Because guess what happens? Jet skis have the propeller, you know, the, uh, uh, what do you guys want, drive shaft. That rope wrapped around that drive shaft like corn on a cob, man. It was like it was in there and on there. And we spent the next four hours fighting the waves, bashing that jet ski up against the rocks, the worst part of the lake you could be on, trying to cut. And we had to run into this poor lady's house. We're all there wet in our swimsuits, asking her if we can borrow a knife. (laughs) And she's looking at us like, y'all are crazy. But we finally got all the ropes, rope out. I got that jet ski back home and back in the driveway right where it was, off my truck, locked back up. It didn't look like it moved. And uh, the next day, stepdad walks in and says, hey, did you notice the jet ski? And I said, "Huh? uh <laughs> what, what about that jet ski? And, and he, he said, well, come take a look. And we go out there and we walk out there. And, and sure enough, man, the whole right side of the jet ski is just bashed and scraped and all the rock cuts. And I'm sitting there. And this is that sweat, you know, that nervous sweat that starts happening <laughs> when you get busted. And you're like, oh, Lord, I'm about to get beat. And uh, he said, did y'all take that jet ski out? And I, s- I said, I don't know if I tell him the truth now or later. <laughs> but that was the conversation I started to have. Um, but I'll tell you this, when, when God asks us to be obedient, when he asks us to specifically for something, and then we, di- and then we disobey it, like guess what? We're, we're going to be smashing up against the rocks. Like I believe that. And it's not because he's trying to punish us because he doesn't love us. It's because he's trying to say, hey, you, you keep doing that in your own way. And this is how it's going to end up every time, right? You can look at these two men in the story, Ananias and Paul. I think Ananias has been up against those rocks before. 
Like, I have to believe that, just like many of us in this room. And we're at the point where it's like when God says something, you go, okay, got it. Like, I, I'm, on, I'm on it because I know you love me. I think some of us are Saul in this room. Um, but just like Saul had free will, each one of us has free will. And we get to choose and say, I, I've been waiting for a sign from God. I've been waiting for him to make himself real to me. And then he does. And he puts a God, godly, loving man and woman in your life who wants to just walk with you, invest in you, for us to grow together. And I believe he gives us a choice to say, am I done with myself yet, or am I, am I going to follow? We're all on a path, every one of us. Some of us are on, none of us are perfect, by the way. We talked about that last week. But we're all on this path. Some of us are on the right path, headed in the right direction. Some of us are on the right path, maybe heading in our own direction. Some of us are on off the path. I've been there many times. Some of us are blazing our own path. Like I've heard about uh, Coach Paulson, Steve Paulson, out, out, on the, uh, out on the Sheridan Trail or out on the trail. This dude blazes path. Or Howard Valley. Both of these guys, I think, are, are trailblazing path legends in our community. Where are we? Where are you on, a pa- on this path? Like, where are you in this adventure? God is sovereign. He is all-knowing. He is good. We can trust him. He loves us enough that he's going to get our attention. He has a path for each one of us. For each one of us. He loves you right where you are. I can promise you that. He loves you more than you know right where you are. But he also loves you too much to let you stay there. Like he's always, for some reason, got one more step, right? And it's not about doing works, and it's not about being good or being better. It's just about, hey, I'm trying to use you to do this thing. Will you trust me? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than the ways, than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's a choice and there's free will, and oftentimes we don't understand God's thoughts. So it's just like, am I just going to step forward and say, okay, like I believe you, I trust you, and just take that step forward? Um, or oftentimes where I found myself, hey, I'm going I'm to do my own thing today. I, I'd rather unlock this jet ski, take it to the lake, and have a party with my friends, because that sounds like more fun. There's a warning and some clarity here in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate. This is God's path. This is Jesus Christ. Enter the gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who will find it are few. It's not easy. Like I'll tell you, I've seen new believers of Christ. I've seen people step up to lead a ministry. I've seen people serve and give everything they have. And man, that 18 wheeler still comes. Because he doesn't promise us that everything's going to be fine. He doesn't promise us that, that we're going to have a, a happy and healthy life. Like he just says, you will have fulfillment. 
And I promise I will use you. And you will be so full of joy and so fulfilled more than, more than you ever imagined. The adventure is risky. The adventure isn't always safe. We can find hope in, in scriptures like Psalm, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. Like, I love that scripture because it says, you know what? Often when I can't find the answers or it's not obvious to me or my emotions are telling me one thing, but I know that's probably not likely what God would say to me, like, I go to his scripture. I go to his word. We were just talking about it this morning in, um, in Bible study right before here at 945. And the question, the question that we're wrestling with is how many of us are daily in God's word? Like, how, even, even if it's just five minutes, right? I have my phone, like, popping scriptures up for me on version, and it, and it gives me the daily scripture. And hopefully that leads me into a deeper conversation with God to get on my knees and pray at my desk. And I do. Like, I, I recommend it to people. Whenever you're going through the toughest season of your life, if it's at work, if it's at home, if it's at school, um, I like to get on my knees in that place and just say, God, and often you'll sometimes see me on my knees at my desk here, and that's easy at a church, right? Like, I can get away with it because <laughs> that's what I'm supposed to be doing. You're like, well, that's what you're getting paid for, Pastor. <laughs> but, have you, but have you ever done it at work? Have you ever been caught, caught on your knees at work praying at your desk, saying, God, I need you here more than I need you. Probably anywhere else I need you here, I need you today. Get in, get in his word, get on your knees in that place, and I guarantee you he shows up. Where are you on the path? I like to, I like to use four buckets or four terms that are experiencing Christ today. Are you walking with Christ today? Are you kicking the tires on this whole Christianity thing and this church thing? Is that where you are on the path? Connecting with him and his word and other believers. Like, are you really connecting with him this whole thing that we're doing isn't about religion it's about a relationship with christ and yes we have things we do because we're a body of believers we're celebrating communion day to, to remember what christ did for us we celebrate it as a family but are you connecting with him and his word um, are you influencing um, this is another step on the path that i like to and i'll, I'll ask you guys thing when we go to lunch and go have coffee or breakfast I'm, I'm wondering, is this person influencing someone for Christ in your home, in your community, out in the world on mission? And then the last one is what we're really called to do is make disciples. You know, are we at that point? If we've been followers of Christ for any amount of time, I we, we accept Christ, we're baptized immediately out of obedience. If you haven't been baptized yet, I'd love to talk to you. And then we go and make disciples. It's really clear. Um, and I, I love that scripture because I'm, I'm one of those black and white guys that just like to say, hey, like, what are we supposed to be doing? Let's go do it. And that's it. I'd love to talk to you more about that. So back to Acts 9, 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he was 
he rose and was baptized. That blows me away, how this persecutor of Christians just within three days says, yeah, man, like I want the whole thing. If you're telling me that baptism is a part of that step, like I'm in, like let's do this. I would love to see the spot where he chose to be baptized. We have one job. If you leave here today um, and you're trying to think back, what did, what did he talk about that last Sunday? <laughs> this is even for me, by the way, because Monday morning I, I've forgotten a lot. So um, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse to, to have your, your memory wiped every night. <laughs> but we have one job, and it's to point to the, points the way. Just point the way to Christ. You know, maybe it's to invite people to church. Maybe it's to go to each other's homes. Maybe it's to encourage one another. It's all of that, but really it's to point people to Christ. It's to share what he's done in your life. So you don't, you don't, you don't have to quote a bunch of scripture and tell them, have a bunch of knowledge for them, but if you can say, hey, I, I once was, but God got a hold of me and now here's where I am that's it I was but God and now imagine having a story like Saul's Saul, Saul was <laughs> I was a persecutor and he'll tell you all through the New Testament letters I was a murderer I was the worst among you but God took me to the ground like an 18-wheeler in the form of a light and a loud voice. And now, like, I just want to share the word. Like, I just want to see churches planted all over northwest Alaska, right? I want to see the gospel in every village here. I would love to see more villages like what we read in the paper you know, it's not about that confrontation, but it's just about, I'm hoping many of these people were, were Christians. I hope, and I, I, I know that God's using them regardless of whether they are or not. Just stand up and say, you can do something. It's what we talked about last week. We all have permission. Um, and I believe with everything in me, these last days, wherever we are in that timeline, I believe he's saying, then I want you. I want you to share the truth to love others. We have one job, it's to point the way. God's, and with God's word and his spirit in our lives, those, those two things will point the way. And this last thing, when we have one another, I believe his community. We are the ones that hold each other accountable. We are the ones that, that draw each other back to his word. And when I say something goofy that that's not what the scripture really means, you know, one of you guys, Stephen Foreman, will step up and go, hey, that's not what that really means, Pastor. <laughs> I mean, we get to do that for one another, right? It's, it's what the old Jewish um, councils used to do for one another. They, sh they used to chew on God's word and draw each other back to God's word to remind each other what truth was. So last week, I'll say when we first got here, I ran into to Howard Valley. We were you know, greeting and saying hi to people as you guys are coming in, and uh, found out that Howard was a hiker. Uh, he liked to trailblaze and hike all over the island here, and I'm, I'm getting to the conclusion. Um, 
but I was telling Howard, yeah, I want to go, I want to go Sheraton Trail and Shelly Lake, and he, and he kind of looked at me, and he gave me a, a, a real, a pretty, pretty serious look, and he said, do you have somebody to take you? <laughs> and I said, I said, no, but my family and I are going right after church today. I said, we'll be great. And I said, I, and then I thought, well, I better ask for some wisdom here because I've seen that look before, right? And uh, I said, do you have a GPS that you like? And Howard goes, yeah, and he gave me the right GPS. And uh, I said, thank you. I downloaded it probably immediately. And um, a few people in the church, I think Shelly Paulson and Steve, they started hearing about we're heading to the, we're heading to hike the Sheraton today after church. And, uh, and Shelly looks at us and goes, why don't y'all pick another trail? <laughs> and, and Steve goes, oh, they'll be fine, they'll be fine. And, and uh, he has a GPS, you know. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, we'll be fine with the GPS. So we, so we get out there, and, and Blake's still here, right? He's back in Texas now. Um, so we, we head out, and me and Blake and Myra and Chloe, and we head out to go see Shelly Lake. So we get there. And uh, so we see this trail, and it's obvious. It's, it's a pretty, pretty wide trail. And uh, we see lots of cars parked around. People just came back, and they're celebrating. They've been to Shelly Lake. It's 5 p.m. now, right, or something like that. And we're just now heading out. And I should have known at that point. So thankfully, I'll say thankfully, we chose the wide trail this time, which is not Shelly Lake Trail, by the way. <laughs> we chose the ATV trail. People call that the highway or something like that, ATV highway. So we hike along the ATV highway, and I realized my GPS thankfully for Howard, was telling me I was going the way wrong way. And I was like, guys, I have bad news. Like, good news and bad news. Good news is I know where we are. <laughs> this is the dad's worst moment, right, to tell your family you don't know what you're doing or where you're going because they're all looking to you. I said, the good, I said, the good news is we're only about, you know, two miles out. We can turn around and head back. So we did. And it was a fun day. Like, everybody made it. No one got hurt. I'm thankful for Howard telling me about that GPS. But just last week, Steve Paulson said, hey, I'll take you guys up that trail. Took me and, and uh, Scotty Blackwell, and we hiked to see Shelly Lake, and it was beautiful. And I'll tell you what, when Scotty and I made it to that open area, we both looked at each other, and we're like, we're so thankful Steve's here, because <laughs> the trail disappears. And all, all, all you local guys who are pros say, yeah, when you get to this hill, you take a right. And when you see the saddle, you take a left. And it's just over this last hill. Well, for those of us who are really optimistic, we're like, yeah, I got that. I got, I got all that. But when you're up there, you're like, man, like I could not have done this without this guy. This last point, and then we'll have the band come up. We were made for one another. Think about how God used Ananias to heal Saul. I don't think that was an accident. I think there's a lot of Saul's out there in our community that God is getting a hold of right now that can't see two feet in front of them. And I believe we've got a church full of Ananias's and he's just saying, hey, I just want you to go see this one person. Like, I just want you to be open to just pray with this one person. To, to share the love of God with them. And it's not hard. I, I believe he's calling us to be Ananias. And I believe he's calling us to be Saul. Each one of us. We're made for each other. We are community. We need each other. Um,
Craig Johnson had to had to apologize to Terry last week. So on that, I'll I'll wrap up with this. On the way back down from Sheridan Trail and Shelly Lake, I think he says Sheratine, right? Is that the best way to say? Thank you, thank you. Emails like shaking. Yes, he finally got it right. <laughs> thank you. We saw Craig Johnson coming back down that trail, and I and he was he was walking by himself because his buddy Steve Paulson was with us that day. He wasn't he wasn't with Craig, so we went out early, like 7 a.m. So Craig spent the rest of the day and through the evening hiking that trail and then coming back. And it, he, sh- he said, I shouldn't have known, but I didn't think about it at the time. I had no cell reception up there, and I was all by myself. And uh, y'all give him a hard time because Ter- Terry about <laughs> had a heart attack, like wondering, is, am I going to get my man back off this mountain? Um, we're a community. We need each other. You know, we're, we're not meant to do this thing alone. There's a reason why I love to have coffee and lunches with, with, with the men in our church. And ladies, we can go too if we have a couples. You know, me and Myra can take you and your husband out. We can, but we're meant to spend time with one another and get to know each other. I just want to say God loves you guys. Uh, read through this book of Acts 9 again. And just read line by line. Pay attention to how God used Ananias. Um, I'm so thankful God sometimes uses 18-wheelers and two-by-fours to get our attention. Um, But lastly, I want to say I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for what God's doing here. Uh, We have much to celebrate. And um, I hope this week you spend some time and just thank him for how he got a hold of you. No turning back, and I give my life to you, cause you gave yourself for me, and I live my life for you, cause you gave yourself for me. None go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. 
No turning back, no turning back. No turning back. And I give myself to you. Cause you gave yourself for me. And I live my life for you. Cause you gave your life for me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Guys, there's uh, one thing that we'd like to celebrate with you today as a community of believers, as we're talking about today. Uh, we are one body, and once a month we get together and celebrate communion together. Um, today we will, we will take the bread and take the cup together for all those who have accepted Christ and believe that he died for their sins, um, believe that he was resurrected. Uh, this is for you to partake with us. I'm going to read out of Luke 22:14. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with them. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. Ina, do you want to pray? Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we are in your presence this morning to remember the great sacrifice mm -hmm. and the grace that we now live under because of what you did for us. We take your body, Lord symbolically in the bread and we remember mm -hmm. and we are so grateful in Christ's name we pray Amen, Amen. We will now uh, pass out the bread uh, you guys may be seated Yeah, absolutely Each one of you will be given a piece of bread. Hold that and we'll take it together.
Let me pray before we take it together. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, whose body was broken for us. As we take this together, please let us remember what you did for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to get out since I left us out up here. It says, take this and divide it among you yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. And he said, and he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after that they had eaten, this cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant of my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And so...
And just as we did with the bread, we also will do with the cup. And likewise, this cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus Christ's blood shed for you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you sent your son to die for our sins. Father, that none of us could be perfect to fulfill fulfill your will here on this earth. Uh, But we're so thankful that your son did that for us. We're thankful for the remembrance and the reminder um, of his body and his blood shed for us and broken for us. God, we love you. We thank you for your complete forgiveness. We are so thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us today. Hey, you guys have a blessed week. See you next Sunday. Oh, I gotcha. And if you're hungry,